Who was here last week, Sunday? Wasn't it a powerful service? You know, praise the Lord for, for Robert and Corey last night bringing the Word of God to us. Um, the, the message, it, both messages are online. Um, they're all in one. If you want to listen to, to both of them or just one of them, it's just in one message, so you have to find that you can, you know, fast forward it and listen to the second one first or the first one second or whatever you want to do. But it's at, online at BigBearChristianCenter.org as well as most of our ser uh, um, services and sermons. There's on that site, there's our online giving, um, uh, an event calendar, which that is the biggest uh, announcement today. Next Sunday, 4 p.m., is our end of summer time. We're going to have a time of worship and testimonies and a potluck right out here under the tent, uh, 4 o'clock. And so we'll, we'll do the, we're going to have the service first and then right afterward just have a time of uh, a meal together, some hot dogs and hamburgers, potluck. We do have um, like a lot of hot dogs and hamburgers, so if you want to bring a dessert or a side, that would be probably the best. Um, uh, and if somebody specifically wants to come and like bring buns, come and see me. Nobody buy buns for the hot dogs and hamburgers unless you come and talk to me. But if that's what you want to do, I'll assign a couple people to just buy a whole bunch of, of hot dog buns. Um, but, you know, come and talk to me. Otherwise, we're going to have like 4,000 hot dog buns next week. We don't want that. We don't want that. We'll be living on hot dog. You know, with it, we'll, we'll live on bread alone, I guess. <laughs> and so last week, um, are, are we recording, Marissa? Are we already going? All right. All right. That's great. She is faithful back there and gets our recordings done. Um, last week, we were in the, and we, we've been in the book of Joshua. Corey and Robert brought a word out of the book of Joshua in chapter 7, Achan's sin. And I, ho I hope you spent some time in the word this week and have read chapter 7 and, and maybe chapter 8 where we're at. Um, we're going to just continue to go um, through the word, and I'm just going to give you an overview of what chapter 8 is and, and starting with even chapter 7. Fathers, we get into this time in your word. We know that your word is alive. It's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. God, um, so we ask that you would pierce our heart, pierce our mind. God, encourage our spirits today. Speak to us individually. Lord, as you've, um, I believe you want to do something today uh, way beyond what, what any of us can do in our own strength. Bless this time in the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the book of uh, Joshua, chapter 7, uh, just a recap. Chapter 7, we find that the children of Israel went in to attack Ai, and they were defeated, and they, you know, they were really bummed out, um, you know, because they lost just a just a handful of men, you know, just you know, thirty six men fell, and you know, Josh was on the ground weeping. I'm like, thirty six, you know, you, there's a million people in the camp, there's you know, thousands and thousands of warriors, tens of thousands of warriors, and you're crying and scared over losing 36. That in itself is a little crazy. But they believed that God was going to just absolutely protect them. And, and we find out that you know, the Lord reveals that there was sin. And, and, and that's what he talked about last week. And the Achan had stolen these consecrated things. And so they, the Lord brings out the sin, brings out Achan. And this is a heavy scene. I mean, you read Joshua chapter 7, 8, you read a lot of the Old Testament, you say, was God really like that? I mean, you know, at, you know, here Achan finally says, yes, it was me. Right? He's confessing, and, and we say, well, is that enough? And they say, oh, thank you, you know, for confessing. And now they take him out to the edge of town, him and his family, and all of his gold and everything. And, they, and the Bible says this. They stone him with stones, and then they burn him. And then they pile up rocks on top of him. 
just to seal the deal. And it said that, that that pile of rocks was there to this day, which meant the date of the, the writing and the, the compiling of the book of, of Joshua. And so that is really, really heavy. That's chapter 7. And then chapter 8 picks it up and begins with the them going to go back in now and defeat Ai. And, and so chapter 8 is pretty much, they go in with more people than they did the first time, and they have a plan, and they're going to they're gonna kind of wait. And what, what had happened the first time is, you know, Ai had come out, and, and they ran away, and, you know, the Israelites ran away, and they, they killed them. So they said, let's do the same thing. But this time, when they come out, we'll surround the city, and we'll get them. And that's what they do. And so they, they get all the men to run out after the Israelites to chase them down. And then, and then as they're running away, a whole bunch of the Israelites run into the city, and they destroy it, and then everyone dies, and it's just, just, it's a mess. Amen. <laughs> you know, these books are, are, these are hard to read. And you go, well, what about, you know, what about mercy and what about grace? And, you know, did God change? And, and the thing is, is no, he didn't change. But what we see when you have the Bible is you have the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's the same God, but you have to put them together. There is a consequence of sin. We have a holy God who hates sin. And in the Old Testament, we see his judgment and wrath being poured out immediately against that sin. Now, Christ came and changed things. He didn't change the nature of God, though. That's not what happened. When, when Christ came into the world, he didn't change the nature of God and say, now that Christ has come, God is just mamby-pamby and everything's good and you can be a sinner and I just love you anyways and don't worry about it. Let's all just hold hands, sing kumbaya and we'll all go to heaven together. That's not the gospel message. The gospel message, believe it or not, is God still hates sin. He can't stand it. Yet the blood of Christ is what forgives us of sin. And so what, what's happening today is that occasionally we see consequences of sin, but the wrath of God, the Bible says, is being stored up. It's being stored up until the end times when it will be poured out. And if you've read the book of Revelation, ooh, the Revelation. You read all the, the wrath of God coming, and, and it's really a, a bummer time. You know, that's, you know we're, I, I hope there is a, tr a rapture. And then I don't have to be around here for the tribulation. Um, we'll see. But because during the wrath of God, it's going to be really, really bad. But what's happening is the blood of Christ has been poured out and is there to, to forgive us of sins. And so the wrath of God is being, is being waylaid until the end. But in the Old Testament, the wrath of God came and meted out justice right on the spot. And that's what we find in, in, in the book of Joshua. Now, they had given the land. God had promised the, the land of Israel to, um, well, it wasn't the land of Israel yet. He had promised this land, and so they were coming in and, and having to remove sin. So, so chapter 8 is, is them basically conquering Ai. And I think, Lord, what, what am I going to preach? This is just, just kind of heavy. Ugh. Um, but we, it's, it's here. You know, I, you know ch chapter 9 is a little, little easier. There's a, a treaty we're going to talk about. And you go, ugh. And at the end of chapter 8, he renews the covenant. And what he does is he builds an altar to the Lord, Joshua does, uh, around verse 30. And, and he recounts the book of the law. And he reads the blessings and the cursings that God had said. And, and you know, basically, it's like, if you love me, if you follow me, I'm going to bless you. But if you turn away, these are going to be the curses. And it's just plain and simple statements. 
And, and he read them to the adults and to the children and to the families. And they, they renewed their covenant with God saying, we'll follow you. And, and remember, they had just seen somebody not follow God and the consequences were pretty bad. Now today, we, we, ha we live in a world that, that we either don't care about the consequences or we don't see them enough. And so we just pretty much live like hell, literally. We just, we, we're in an immoral society. Things are coming in just so quickly. If you have, if you follow the news or social media, um, and, and, and I, I don't actually have uh, television news, so I don't know if they've been putting on there, but we know recently that the pastor of Coral Ridge Ministries, who's the grandson of Billy Graham, had an affair and has stepped down from being the pastor. Now, you know, apparently his wife had an affair first, so therefore it makes it okay. Coral Ridge Ministries was um, James Kennedy. And so that's not who did it. Used to be James Kennedy, and now it's the, and I can't say his name, it's, it's got a strange name. Um, he's the pastor, and, and it's not about picking on him. It's another one, this one might be more, uh, more in your area, the Duggars. You don't know who the Duggars are? 19 and counting. They stand for righteousness and purity and family values. And then we find out that the son had some dealings with the daughters and, and it actually had molested his sisters. So, but, but that was years and years ago and so they find that there was repentance and and so there's a lot of forgiveness going on, and, and, you know, but of course everyone's you know, pointing out this man. Well, more is being revealed. Now, this is, there's a lesson in here, and this is, this is about the word. Your sin will find you out. Your sin will find you out, and, and, and it, it just does. So, so we need to pray for these people. It's not about picking on these people, but this is just what's happening. We're seeing it out there, and we're seeing it. In, in the church, not in, I'm not saying in this church, we're seeing it in the church, but men of God, women of God too, who are getting off track and they're, they're giving in to, to um, sin and just giving into the flesh and, and not walking the way God would have us walk. So you got the Duggars, um, you got the Coral Ridge, you know, just, you got a lot of, lot of sadness in the camp, in the body of Christ. And then we can think of the countless people uh, in the past that we knew who are elevated, and you go, Lord, what's, what's happening? Why, are they, why is this happening? Um, another thing that's happened, and I'm sure you, this has definitely been on the news, because it's all sensationalized, but it's all true. Ashley Madison. Does, do you know that name by now? If I would have asked that three weeks ago, and you would have said yes, we would have been praying for you. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, yeah, I've never heard of that. Ashley Madison, I guess, is a website that was designed specifically for people to log into so they can have an affair on their spouse. And, and they connect people with, each, with other people who want to have an affair with their spouse. We have these, this is a website. And there were millions of users on this website. I'm going to give you something that's going to shock you, 
but we, I believe it's true because it looks like the, 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 the information is correct. They went, because what happened is, is the, the computers got hacked and released all the information of all the names of all the people on the Ashley Madison account. Now, if this is you, please don't jump up and run to go check your social media <laughs> to find out if you're one of them. But, but, you know, I say that as a joke, but come and, come and talk to me and let's pray afterwards. So all these names have been released of all these people who are looking to have an affair on their spouse. Now, it's, it's not surprising that there's like 5.5 plus million men and only a couple, like 100,000, I think, women who were actually on this site. And, and they actually found that, that most of the women never even checked it. And so we think that they were even, that these guys are just going on looking to have an affair. And very few women were actually on the site. Half of the, a lot of the accounts were actually people from the Ashley Madison people making up women. <laughs> and so men are looking at this. But, but here's, the, here's the, the thing that was very saddening to me. There were only three zip codes in the entire United States that did not have an Ashley Madison account three zip codes in the entire U.S. that did not have at least one Ashley Madison account represented, and none of them were Big Bear. Two of them were in Alaska, Norm. <laughs> and, and one of them was, and they went up and they actually had, they went, you know, they, they get, got a representative up there and they said, so, you know, you're the one of zip codes. And they said, well, yeah, there's like three people with internet access up here. <laughs> so Fonskin was represented. And you go, Fonskin? I'm glad we're not out there because everyone would be looking at each other. <laughs> and we kind of laugh, but this isn't a laughing matter. And, I, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, we're laughing. I'm laughing, but let's, let's get serious. This is ridiculous. We know of at least two people who've committed suicide because they found out that their names were on the Ashley Madison account. And so they killed themselves. Um, there were a hundred thousand names of people in leaderships at churches. A hundred thousand. That's what they said. I think it was, and maybe, maybe it was ten. I think it was a hundred. That 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 they believe were some type of a person, a lay leader, uh, throughout the United States. Before we say, wow, everyone else is so wicked, we need to be questioning, God, what's happening in our society? What's happening in our lives? What's happening in my life? Where am I? You know, this isn't about pointing fingers. This is about, this is, this is happening it's in the church. It's in this nation. God is a holy God. I'm going to start with that. If you're going to write down a first point, God is holy. And the things that are happening are not. Psalm 99, 9 says, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. We serve a holy God. When you read Joshua, in fact, at the end of Joshua, as we get towards the end of it, it's one of the things he's saying, listen, God is a holy God and you can't even serve him. And there's that thing, you know, he is holy and we can't. As we worship today, we're crying out, holy God. And, and if you've ever been in the presence of, of that moment like we were today, there's a good chance that you went, and I am not 
we say, God, you are holy, and the next response is, and I am not, because we know our own misdeeds. We know us through and through, and we are not righteous and holy apart from Christ. You know, we've got to put that in there. In Christ, we are the righteousness of Christ. We are holy. We're made righteous. But outside of him, he is holy and we are not. And we are living in this world of, of trying to serve a holy God where everyone else is just living like crazy and including us at so often. The book of Joshua teaches us that, that God is holy. And that's why even, you know, Moses went up on the thing and the bush says, you take your sandals off for the place that you're standing is holy ground. I mean, God's presence makes even the ground holy, which is good news, because if you feel like you're worth nothing but dirt, that's OK. Get close to God and even the dirt becomes holy. See, this is the hope that we have in Christ. God is holy, we are not, but even dirt becomes holy in His presence. And that's good news for us. God is holy and sin has consequences. Sin has consequences. We are looking around at broken families, at broken marriages, at, at broken churches. Too many churches have broken because somebody in leadership stepped out and and walked in unholiness. And sometimes what happens is, is, is there's a great process to restore and there's forgiveness in Jesus. And sometimes the church breaks apart, not because the leader fell, but because somebody in the church starts throwing stones when the process is in underway. You know, there is forgiveness in God. There is restoration and redemption. And yet at the church so often, we just want to condemn and throw the stones at them once they fall consequences to sin. It's broken marriages, as I said, families. You know, you go, you'll go out and get, get drunk and, you know, you can start thinking about some of the consequences. You know, of course, drive, you get a DUI. Nobody raised their hands to this, but you get drunk and you say things that you wouldn't normally say. You mean, I, and I'll say that one, right? I mean, I'll confess. It wasn't last night, don't worry. Wasn't this week? It wasn't this year. You know, you know I'm, I'm looking at, at Dave Tolbert in the, in the middle back there, and and even as a Christian, as a young Christian teenager, you know, serving the Lord, I went out and got, I would go out and get drunk with David. And then conviction would come over me, and I'd try to witness to him and 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 the other guys we were with. I mean, it was, I was such a, you know, right up here, green spot. Remember that one? I got drunk. <laughs> yeah, but I got the microphone. <laughs> you say things you regret. You do things you regret. Sin has consequences. Gossip. Who's ever said something about someone and then had it come back around. <sighs> Don't raise your hand. We could all raise our hand, because if you haven't, it would probably be a miracle. You know, just, just, just said something you just shouldn't have. A lie comes back around. Your testimony's not always destroyed, but hurt, wounded. 
consequences, sin has a lot of them. So what we find in the book of Joshua is that, that they would deal seriously with sin. So what we do in the modern church is we ask questions like this. Well, if this is sin, how close can I get and, and it not be sin? Can I, can, I, can I do this? No, well, if I can't sleep with my girlfriend, what can I do? Well, if I can't get drunk, how much can I drink? Well, if I know I'm not supposed to gossip, but can I share this in love? And we're not supposed to judge one another, but let's pray for them because they're really bad. But I'm not sinning. How close can I get? If God is holy and he's called us to be holy, we shouldn't be asking how close can I get? But how holy can I be? Could we ask that? Honestly, it's going to shake us up. Because if we begin to ask, God, how whole, not how self-righteous can I be? What, what of a good person can I be? Because all of our righteousness is like filthy rags. But what can I do so that, as the Bible says, even if they try to accuse you, there's just nothing that they can find. There's just nothing they can find. How holy can we be? In, in Joshua 7 and 8, talks about dealing seriously with sin. Matthew chapter 5 is that, that crazy verse that, that, you know, we don't take everything exactly literal because if we did, we'd all have one hand and one eye. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand, right hand causes you to sin, lop it off. Huh? Does he really want us to do that? No. But he's saying deal seriously with your sin. You know what? What can you do? Let's be serious. Let's take this serious. Let's not just play around with it. And then, and then we, we find in, that, in the same chapter, it's not only with Achan, but, but with the city of Ai and all the cities, God's order is to completely and utterly destroy them. Why? Because they represent sin. All the kingdoms that Joshua destroys in the book of Joshua, all of them that they go in there represent the world and sin. And they go in there, and it's always utterly destroy them. Next week, we're going to begin to see some problems that they start, they start making treaties, and they start getting, you know, doing these things, and it actually infects Israel forever. It's, what is, it's not about killing people. It's about dealing seriously with the things that are unrighteous in our lives and saying, no, we're going to utterly destroy this. You know, this morning I'm speaking to us, I, I, I wanted to say this at the beginning, I didn't, I'm speaking to us as Christians. You know, if you're visiting this morning and you've, you, you, you don't know if you're a Christian, you've never trusted Jesus, you know, hang on, because I'm talking to us as Christians who've said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. When you come to Christ, what's the thing that somebody probably has asked you uh, when you did or since then? It's this, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and right? 
You know, have you, you know, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Well, what does that mean? Savior is that side that we talk about. He saved us. He died for us. His blood cleansed us. Lord is that one that we say, I like Savior. Robert said this last week. I like Savior. Ah, the Lord part's a little bit harder because the Lord part is you're my master. I'll follow you. I'll serve you. I'm going to live life the way you call me to live it. I like Savior better. I was bad and you forgave me, but this Lord part is harder. And this is it. This is, we have made Christ our Savior and Lord. He is the Lord of our lives. And we need to utterly destroy the enemy. The things that draw us away from Christ, the things that, that ruin our testimony, the things that get us off track, instead we play with it. God is all-powerful. Amen? The Bible says, greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world, right? Don't underestimate the power of the enemy. Don't underestimate the power of the enemy. Huh? I thought God is all-powerful. He is. Greater is he that's in me. Uh-huh. But did you notice it says, greater is he that's in you, not greater are you. It's Christ in you. It's Christ in me that's greater than the enemy. It's not me. We should never underestimate the power of the enemy. You go, oh, you know, you're giving too much power to, to the Satan. And, and, you know, pastor, you're just off on that. And I'm okay because I'm bought with the blood and I can do anything I want to do. Then why does First Peter says, say, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Resist him. Beware of him. Why? Because he does have tricks up his sleeve. He knows how to come in slowly. I've known so many good men and women of God who just went down a slow path, a slow path, a slow fade to destruction. But by the time they woke up, it was too late. You know, very few people are walking in the middle of Stater Brothers and have an affair. <laughs> of course not. But you know that's where it started. What do you mean? Well, you know that girl you were flirting with in the checkout aisle? Ooh. It's a slow thing. What are we doing? We need to, we need to begin to understand... The enemy is out there and he wants to destroy lives and families. And we need to begin to, to deal seriously with sin and, and, and resist the world and the things that are happening. And I don't, I'm not saying that we need to come up with a whole bunch of rules. I'm going to cover that in a few minutes. You know, back in the day, and there's still people who do this. I was talking to a, we took Matthew to, to, to college last night and his roommate's parents are wonderful people. And, and his dad came out of a, a, a holiness movement, the, they're the grandfather, Matthew's roommate. And he says, you know, they no makeup for women and, and long sleeve shirts for men and, you know, buttoned up here and women always wore dresses and there was not even, um, not even co-ed bathing together. And he said, well, that's a good idea. Bathing meaning swimming. You don't go to the beach if there's a woman at the beach. So they, no, they don't go anywhere. And that's a holiest move, but it's full of rules not just wisdom. You know, there are probably some, there may be some in this room, and I know there are some, some men who should never, ever, ever go to the beach again. <laughs> they cannot handle it. 
They just, you know, and, and, and not that we should all be hanging out there all the time because it's, you know, the, the word for flesh is, uh, flesh, which is, you know, the, the, the desires of the flesh is sarks, S-A-R-X. So I always teach the youth when we go out to there, remember, watch out for all the sarks at the beach. You're going to have a sark attack today. <laughs> but we need to take it seriously. We need to understand that the enemy wants to come in and he wants to destroy us and he's going to do it a little bit at a time. And one of the ways he's doing it, church, is by telling us things that are true but getting us to walk into unholiness. Is, is drinking alcohol wrong? Most of us can say, well, you know, Tim, the book of Timothy says, you know, drink, drink a little wine for your stomach for it's good for you. And, and Jesus turned water into wine, so that's okay. And it's wine at the Last Supper and drinking is okay. And those are all true. But what the enemy wants to do is say, drinking's not bad, drinking's not bad, drinking's not bad, drinking's not bad, drinking's not bad. Now it's bad. Why? Because this was excess. Because the Bible says to be self-controlled. Well, we think, well, I can have one or two or maybe three because I'm not falling down drunk. And the Bible says, don't be drunk. And so we can all say, yeah, uh, whatever drunk is, I'm not sure. I, you know, I don't, that wasn't drunk. But you know, the Bible says, don't be drunk. And so we can say, three doesn't get me drunk. But I sure feel good. <laughs> Man, when I have three drinks, I just open up, and I can talk, and I can dance. And you should have seen us. We had, had a couple beers. We're up. We're dancing at the front. But it wasn't sin because we only had three. <laughs> I'm not saying we have a number. See, I, I don't even know how to preach this message. Because what's, what's going to feel like, well, you're saying, don't, don't, don't. The Bible says it's not about don't touch this and don't handle this. Read the book of, of Colossians. And it's wonderful. We're going to get... We might get there. It's not about, well, is one okay, is one half not? But how holy can we be? You know, the Bible says be self-controlled. You know, some, some and I'll, I'll just say it. You know, some of you in here, the reason you like to have a couple drinks is because then you can loosen up. And, you know, it's like normally I wouldn't do that, but it just feels so good. That means you're not self-controlled. You know, you've let yourself go to the point you're not self-controlled anymore. Instead, let's come to the altar and get prayed for to get delivered from your, your fears and your worries so that you can be who God created you to be and not try to find out what alcohol is creating you to be. Well, you know, when you're drunk, you're just really saying what's true in you. No. <laughs> is that a part? Yes, but some of you in here have done things that you would never, ever, ever do. And you'd say, I don't know where that came from. Well, yeah, there's darkness inside of us. And the alcohol is just letting up. I'm going to move on. I don't want to keep talking about alcohol. This is, this is about the, our lifestyle. This is about what are we saying yes to. You know, we can go to other things. I don't want to be picking on sin. It's about holiness and righteousness and dealing seriously because God is calling us to be holy. I'm going to sit down because I can't. Anyone who can be holy on their own, they can, you can have the pulpit. There's not going to be a lot of people in line because we know. You know what Jesus said to, the, to the, women, the, the men who were trying to stone the woman caught in adultery. You without sin cast the first stone. 
The problem is in the church, what we're doing is we're using that all the time. Anytime anyone brings a correction or rebuke and saying, I'm concerned about you. And they say, well, you without sin cast the first stone. Jesus was, was saying it to, to the judges so that they would not condemn her. But what did he say to the woman caught in adultery? He said, listen, where are your accusers? And she says, there are none. He says, neither do I condemn you. Don't stop there. Jesus says to us, I don't condemn you. Wherever you're at today, the Lord doesn't condemn you. He offers grace. He offers forgiveness. But he also says to you and to me, the next line, go and sin no more. He doesn't just stop. We keep just stopping at the grace and saying, God's grace is enough and he's forgiving me. But he also says, well, go and sin no more and stop making the excuse. Well, I can't be perfect. I'm going to sin. Yes, you're going to. But don't make it a habit. Don't go out and try. In fact, try not to. Can we actually try not to sin? I'm preaching to myself today. This hurts. You know, there are things in our life that we just too easily practice that God would say, I don't want you to partake of that. I have something better. The good news. That is good news. But it goes on. We are holy. So it started out with God is holy. We're sinners. Sin is bad. Sin has consequences. But we're holy in Him. But the part is in Him. We're holy in Him. 2 Corinthians 5.21, through writing notes, 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says that we are the righteousness of God in Him. I need to say it like that every time. Because we, we tend to, or we can tend to forget that part. If you've been in the church any length of time, we, we tend to be able to cover up our sins a little bit more by saying these things. Well, we're the righteousness of God, and there is now therefore no condemnation, and give me another beer. In Him. Next time you want that extra beer, look next to you and say, Jesus, do you want another one too? And if He says yes, by all means, have another one. And when you're out there and you're going, Jesus, do you like my new dance moves? If he can say yes, then by all means, keep dancing. And I'm not saying dancing's wrong. I love, I love dancing. You know, I mean, my son, he breaks dances. And, and you, know, you know, I mean, I like to do some country dancing. So I used to do that. There's nothing wrong. I'm not saying, oh, we've got to wear long shirts. We can't dance. can't do any of these things. But are we in him? Again, I'm talking to us Christians. If you haven't found Christ, don't even... Worry about this side of it first. For the first thing you need to do is find that forgiveness in Christ. I'm talking to those of us in this room who've actually said, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me and come into my life. And it's amazing that God has done that. And then sometimes, sometime later, we find ourselves kind of doing the same thing. And now it's okay. You were in 2 Corinthians 5.21, right? If you went there, stay there. But let's go back just a couple verses. I wasn't there. Let me get there. Oh, I got to hurry. Let's 
Listen, I'm going to read the whole verse so we get it in context. For he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Righteousness of God. When I think of, I mean, I think of people who maybe in the past they say, man, he's, man, he's really righteous. And it's not a slam. You know, not you know, self-righteous. It's like, wow, they're just a really righteous person. And it's like, you know, they just, they just really avoid sin. and They're not perfect, but you'd say that. But this isn't, this is righteousness of God. You're not just a righteous person on your own strength. Think of God's righteousness. That's a lot bigger than what I'd say about some people say, man, they just really live a righteous life. This is God's righteousness. And we become the righteousness of God in him. But go back to verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And we like to stop there also. You know, I'm going to challenge us, church. I think that we stop in the middle of verses too often. We learn to quote half of a verse. And, and maybe you've been taught, and I've been taught. And forgive me. If anyone is Christ, he is a new creation. Yes, that is true. Old things have passed away. Is that also true? Is that true in your life? You know, he's come to, to set us free and to forgive us and make us a new creation. And he says, but old things, they're going to pass away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So what God did with you, he wants us to do with other people. Help them to come to Christ become a new creation, and let all the old things pass away. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. He's not imputing our trespasses against us, but that doesn't give us license to go out and keep doing it. You know, my, my wife is gracious, and, you know, sometimes I make a bigger mess than she'd like. Actually, that's probably every day. You know, I'm a messy. But I know how she likes certain things. And, you know, we actually have, you know, we take our shoes off in the house. And, and every once in a while, I, I might be working on a project and I've got to run through the house to get something and I'm not going to take off my work boots to do it. And so I kind of try to tiptoe. And she says, you know, please take off your boots. I'm, you know, we, we, we do what couples do. Believe it or not, we do it too. You know, we argue, we have disagreements. But if I walk into my living room with my dirty, dirty greasy beat boots and go like this on the carpet and say, you know what? Sorry, but we've got a, you know, we've got a little vacuum cleaner. You can clean it up. <laughs> Get what I want? You know, she might have grace once. But am I acting in love if I do this every time? You see the difference? Tiptoeing through, maybe not even thinking once, or coming in and just going, you need to forgive me. <laughs> Bible says so. Laughter is directly connected to guilt level. 
I want to encourage you this week to read the book of Colossians. I can't go there today. There's just not enough time. Um, in your life groups this week, you're going to discuss the book of Colossians. So I really, you know, it's, it's, it's a few chapters, not too long. You can read it in about 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes, the whole book. Read it a couple times this week. Because it, it talks to this. But the reason I don't want you to read a, a verse is because at one point, it covers some of these things we're talking about. In chapter 2, it says it's not legalism, but Christ. It talks about it's not don't touch, don't handle all these things. And see that we read that and we go, see, Pastor Rob was just picking on me. You know, it's not about this. But then you read on and it talks about, even though it says it's not rules, it's not legalism, it's not don't do this, don't do that. But you go a little bit further in chapter 3 and he starts writing and saying, If you're raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on th things above, not on earth earthly things. You died and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you'll also appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death. Uh-oh. I thought that was only in the Old Testament. Put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. But I thought all things were permissible. Aren't all things permissible? Put to death these things. The beginning is it's not legalism, but Christ. And here at the same chapter, it's like, yeah, but these things shouldn't exist in you anymore. You, you yourselves are to put off these things. Wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Don't lie to one another. Wait, there's a list of rules again. Huh? Read the book and you get the, the Spirit of Christ. Also, if you're looking to read this, this week because you're... If I haven't challenged some of you, then I, you know, then this hasn't been anointed. I, this message, I believe, is so birth of God. Read the book of First John, chapter chapter one is great. Chapter three, also read um, Ephesians chapter four. Just taking notes, so you got Colossians now. This, but this isn't that much reading this week. You got the book of Colossians. The whole thing would be great. And again, it's not, it's not very long. 20 minutes. 20 minutes will get you through it. It's only f four chapters. Maybe 25 minutes. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 John. You can just skim around and you'll see the parts you want to read. But what you're doing is you're going, okay, grace, yes, but also Christ calls us to be separate and live differently. Grace, yes. But he's calling us to a different life. And so he goes, and we'll find the truth in there. If you're reading it and feeling condemned, then read the other parts again. It says there's no condemnation. And he's not imputing your, 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 your sins to you anymore. Get that side of it. Yes, we're free in Christ. But if you find yourself using your, your freedom in Christ as a license to sin, then we're, we've missed it. How to preach this message is so hard. Because we don't condemn anyone, but we, wanna, we want to... Point to Jesus. And if we look just like the world, then we're not pointing to Jesus. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.30, I'm going to close with this scripture. It says, He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made to be our wisdom and our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. It's Him. Because one thing is sure, all across 
this room today. We cannot do this on our own. None of us. But He is the source. In Him, we live and move and have our being. That's what the Bible says. It's in Him, and as we're in Him, we're gonna, we're gonna, these things will begin to fall away. When you read the lists of sin, one of the times Paul says, these are the things you used to be. See, we're not murderers and fornicators and liars. We used to be. Now we're in Christ, we're forgiven. But let's set ourselves up so we're not constantly putting our feet on the master's carpet just because we can. Just because we can. Father, this is such a hard message, but it's the truth of the word of God. Lord, I pray that that it was your words and in balance of grace, and yet we're not going to live the way the world does. And we can't live outside of you, and we can't do it in our own strength. We're all, we're going to look like that guy wearing the 30-year-old suit. Just doesn't fit us. We'll know that something's out of place, but God, in you, that's where life is. That's where when people look at us, they see you. Right now, Lord, across this room and in my heart, I pray that no one is condemned. But Lord, I pray that we're convicted. Lord, I pray that you're dealing with each of us where we're at. And, and none of us are looking around the room and saying, I'm so glad they're here to hear this message. God, I'm glad I'm here to hear this message. Lord, I want to be holy. We're going to end with a song, and I, I went later than I normally do. I normally try to be out of here at 11. Let's listen to the words of the song. Then we'll close. Lord, I want to be holy, precious in your sight. If you want to come forward and receive prayer, just pray. Turn around in your seat. Just pray where you're at. You can do any of that, but let's, let's do this together. Lord, we want to be holy. Changed by your glory to love you more and more to seek your kingdom with all my heart to know you better or to be like you is all I
Thank you for your holiness. We want to be holy in your sight. We thank you that in Jesus we are. We want to be like you. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace upon each and every one of us and your strength. Thank you for the body of Christ that will support us in our time. We can go and confess and ask for prayer. Thank you for safety and non-judgment. God, be with us in this in this walk as we, we struggle. We thank you for grace and mercy that you'll always walk with us. And we thank you as we commit our lives afresh to you today. And say, Lord, have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.